Welcome to the Think Podcast, the show that tackles impossible questions from a biblical perspective with your host, Joel Sedekes. And now get ready to think. Welcome back to a friendly episode with and alongside me is Joel Sedekes. Joel, thanks for coming in again. I appreciate it. Um, Last time we did this about a month ago. And as I said before, you ran through me. Uh, it definitely made me have to. No, no, no. We can we can be honest. It was it was enjoyable, but I felt like a like a deer in headlights at so many times. I'm like, I was not not expecting this at all. But it was it was enlightening. It was really enjoyable. It, it did it did teach me a lot. And it's just God's word, just God's word. Um, and in a way, it helped me put better focus on learning my arguments. And one of the most important things I think that came out of this was I had four different people who I've never met reach out to me, uh, three of which were atheists and one was a Christian. And all of them have assisted in trying to train me to better prep uh, to discuss with an apologist. And to me, that's pretty remarkable, especially one was a Christian, Richard Graves. I don't know if you've seen him uh, on my show before, but it's pretty cool that people have reached out to help help prepare me for you because even they can admit it wasn't uh, it wasn't the best work or best representation of atheism. So I, I'm really glad you're back though, and I'm looking forward to this. Me too. Uh, everyone who's watching, uh, please uh, send your best wishes to Joel and his family. Um, if you pray, please pray. His uh, son just had a uh, heart transplant, and he's progressing really well, uh, from my understanding. Joel, if you want to go into anything about that. Sure. Yeah. Uh, my son, well, we've been on a bit of a journey. So he was diagnosed with leukemia at 10 months back in 2015 and made it through his first round of two years of chemo. And then when he was two, he had, he had the leukemia had gone away, but he relapsed about a month later. And so, um, he was uh, back on a chemo and this time radiation regimen until February 14th, Valentine's Day last last year. And at that point, he was diagnosed with heart failure. And so he ended up spending about six or seven months in the hospital last year. And uh, like I said, it's been um, an incredibly wild road. The Lord has taught us a lot through that. Uh, We actually have a Facebook page, anybody who wants to follow which is, it's called Pray for Superhero Lucas, and that's Lucas with a K. And so my wife primarily shares a lot of updates on there. You can track his progress and see how he's doing. And uh, so I, I appreciate the well wishes. Thank you. Is that it? Pray for Superhero Lucas? Did Pray I spell for that Superhero correctly? Lucas with a K. You got it. All right. You heard it. Go to uh, Facebook. Uh, go to PrayForSuperheroLucas.com and you can follow, follow their story. Uh, so anyways, moving on. Faith and knowledge is our topic today. And I am rather curious if they go hand in hand or how they go hand in hand. Um, do you think they work together? Is faith a path to truth? Sorry, is faith a path to truth or knowledge, in your opinion? Um, I would probably phrase it differently. Sure. Um, you know, the old theologians, Augustine and Anselm, they would talk about this phrase in latin which is uh, credo ut intelligam which essentially means faith seeking understanding or faith unto understanding 
And the the Christian view of knowledge, I'm sure we'll get into a definition of knowledge and um, I've got some some ideas about that. But from a Christian perspective, uh, faith and faith is a prerequisite for knowledge. And so all true knowledge, all certainty, if you trace it back, um, the the foundation upon which knowledge rests, is ultimately faith in God. So yes, not only do they work hand in hand, but they are um, essential partners, ultimately. So if, if I'm understanding you correctly, and hi, Judy, are, are you saying that without faith, knowledge isn't possible? Or yes. am I misunderstanding you? No, that, that's correct. Yeah, the Bible says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. It, uh, that's in Proverbs 1.7. Uh, interestingly, in Proverbs 9.10, it also says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And that word fear trips up a lot of people. They think, oh, well, fear, that doesn't sound like a great way to live, you know, especially if you look at other Bible verses that Absolutely. tell you not to fear. Um, so what is that saying? Well, fear means a proper, healthy respect, worship, and reverence. And so another way of saying it might be knowledge begins with the right attitude towards god okay so from your from your stance and again i just want to make sure i'm understanding you correctly knowledge from my worldview is not possible um well we'd, we'd have to get into a little bit i i have a hunch that as we as we talk uh you may be um surprised to discover um, some inconsistencies of, in your view of knowledge. I mean, I, I don't want to assume anything. So, you of know, maybe not. maybe you could, you know, you could uh, answer the same question. Do you think faith and knowledge work together? And, and maybe how are you even defining those terms? So I guess it depends on if we're our definition of faith for one. Um, are we using it from a religious standpoint or or simply a reasonable expectation? Um, I don't have separate definitions for 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 faith unless we're talking about faith as the body of beliefs. Like people talk about the Christian faith, and in that regard, um, they're talking about the the body of Christian doctrine. You know, everything that Christian mm -hmm. believes, Christians believe, and it's another word ultimately for like the Christian worldview. The Christian okay. faith. So, um, but in this regard, uh, I, how did you put it? Confident expectation, reasonable expectation, reasonable expectation. Yeah, even even that, uh, even the adjective re reasonable would probably need a little bit of unpacking. Yeah, um, that's true. You know, so um, you know, I don't know. I don't know if we have the same definition for faith there. I, I think. Well. Let's yeah, work ahead. off your definition of faith. How, how do you define faith? And then I can answer the question accordingly. Sure. Uh, faith, you know, as the Bible defines it, would be something like belief or trust. Okay. Um, I mean, I, I have no issue with trust or even moderately belief. Uh, but I'll, however, uh, faith in God, faith in Jesus, faith in Christianity, if that's what we're referring to, then I would say I, I don't have any faith. Hmm. Um, I wouldn't say I exercise it in any aspect of my life. Um, 
I would say I do my best to pay attention to everything that's going on and then base my understanding off that. Okay, so let me backtrack. Um, if a plane is flying in the air, if 100 planes successfully fly and land, I don't have faith that the next plane is going to land. I have reasonable confidence based on past experiences. So personally, I don't think I exercise faith at all. Um, well, I, I hate to tell you, but that's uh, you just contradicted yourself, Brandon. I'm sorry to sure. point it out. No, no, you don't have to apologize, please. Yeah, uh, say it again. You have confidence. What what kind of confidence? Reasonable confidence. Reasonable confidence. So, uh, the word confidence means it's confide. It comes from the Latin, which means with faith. Okay. So conf confidence is faith. If, if if you're going off any religious context of the word faith, I would reject it. But if we're just talking about, well, that's, hey, I have a that's an interesting a, a reasonable. Thing to say. Okay, so to me, when I religious hear faith, faith, yeah, what do you mean by that? I, I'm just trying to draw an important line here because, for example, uh, Christians use faith in God. I do, I do not exercise that faith. I'm not taking a leap where I have no information and I'm just saying, hey, yeah, God exists. Or, hey, I thought I'm you might gonna... go there. Yeah. That's so, so maybe, maybe, if you, maybe I've heard you say things like, oh, I don't like what you just said. I don't take a leap. Um, you've talked about religious faith versus other kinds of faith. What do you think faith is? Do you think that? the faith of a Christian is somehow different than, you know, the confidence you would have in something. Uh, I'm not talking about the object of our faith. No, no. Uh, I know you deny God's existence, but. So, yeah, let me give you an example. If right now, um, if you tell me you have $20 in your wallet, I think based on my understanding of you, you don't seem like someone that would lie. Uh, you seem very straightforward. Based on that information, I would believe you have $20 in your wallet. You have so, faith in me. If, if that's how you want to phrase it, then yes, we, we can say faith, but I'm basing yeah. it on my understanding of you as a character. Yeah, it's an, ex it's an expectation based on Correct. past experience. Sure, 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 sure. Now, there are other assumptions that are, that are bound up with that, but what you just described is no different. Um, it's, it's, it's no different in kind. It's definitely different in degree. Yeah. Uh, to the faith that we have in God, that Christians have in God. Um, a lot of times, and I don't know if this is you or not, this is what I was trying to uncover. A lot of times atheists will accuse Christians of holding to belief without evidence, meaning like in yes. in the absence of evidence or even against the evidence. And that's that's not what faith is. That's not what Christian faith is. That's sort of a straw man fellacious caricature of Christian faith that um, I would say that you atheists only, have come up with to try to, you know, ridicule. I'm not saying you, I'm not saying no, you, no, no, I would Christian disagree faith. with that because so I would agree with that statement depending on who the person it's pertaining to. So I, I wouldn't make that assumption on you, but I do think that's a, a reasonable argument. So you think that my faith in God is based on evidence? No, I, I'm sorry. I don't think it's based on evidence. Oh, um, I mean, I'd love to see that evidence, but I, we did go over this and I'm not going to push it. If I, if I recall, 
you don't have evidence you can provide me because you don't want to put God on trial with me. Is that is that correct? Well, I never said I don't have evidence that I can provide you. What I said was, um, before we talked about evidence, I'd like to know how you account for the existence of evidence as a meaningful concept. And so, uh, given your your um, atheistic or uh, secular humanist um, principles, so maybe we could actually go. Maybe we could get there today. I mean, it, it might be helpful, Brandon, if we sort of lay out like a definition of knowledge in the first place. Um, if we've talked about, we talked a little bit about what faith is, how would you define knowledge? So I, I have a feeling I know where this is going to go, but um, take it where, off, wherever you want. This, this is a no, no, I have a feeling where I know where you're going with this. I, I've and I'm going to do my best to tread very carefully. <laughs> and not come get on, pulled. man. I'm not. I'm not, not going to get... to get you. I, look, <laughs> if you know where I'm going with it, if you know where I'm going with it, with it, I, I want us to define our terms. That's all That's, I'm trying okay. to do right now. I just okay. want to because if we're maybe I'm sitting here thinking of knowledge as something completely different than how you define it, and maybe that's maybe I'm right, maybe you're right, but we should at least know where we're coming from. I'm. This isn't sure. like a gotcha. No, I just to... I want to make sure we don't circle back to the how do you know anything discussion. That's, well, we do need um, to go there. Though. If we do, then the same can be said to you. How do you know anything? Well, let's define knowledge first, and then we can talk about it. I'm okay. I'm more than happy to have that conversation. Okay. Just just to be abundantly clear, unless it, in case it wasn't last time, uh, I love evidence. I just don't think any of the evidence that I'll give you, you'll accept because I don't think you're allowing yourself to, based on your definition. I think you've got prior commitments. I I, I don't I. So we need we need to go there. We need to talk about so, what what knowledge is. Okay, we'll use the standard definition, facts, information, and skills acquired by a person through experience or education, the theoretical or practical understanding of a subject. Say that one more time, because that was kind of long. Sure. Facts, information, and skills acquired by a person through experience or education the theoretical or practical understanding of the subject. All right. So that's two definitions kind of, there's like A and B. There's like facts, information, and skills acquired by a person. Is that right? Facts, comma, information, comma, and skills acquired by a person through personal experience or education. Through experience or education okay so right away the the word that's leaping off the page for me is facts do you have so, any facts well well what you'll have to tell me what, what do you think is a fact what is a fact okay a fact a fact a fact would be a proposition that's true correct yes okay i'm good with that okay um, um so that's there's that's true and acquired by a person um We'd have to talk, obviously we're talking about something non-physical. So the way you acquire it is not like you grab it with your hand and put it in your pocket or something. It's, it's more right. of an, a mental acquiring, right? That's mental acquisition. I, in other Experience, words, I, yeah, yeah it's, it's something, well, it's, it doesn't, I mean, not necessarily because it's education as well, but it's, Correct. it's a proposition that's in my head and there's something that I, I didn't see here because there's a, there is a standard definition Phil sure. philosophically of knowledge, which is justified true belief, which um, is sort of the classical definition. Okay. And that's when when Larry and um, Kenneth were having their discussion, 
That's that was their working definition. I actually prefer. I think that's an outdated definition. Okay. Um, simply because justification is people are justified. This is a nuance, but people are justified, but um, propositions are warranted, or, or facts are warranted, beliefs are warranted. So okay. I I prefer warranted true belief, and I'm happy to get into that. But I think I'm trying to see in the definition you gave. I just think it's there's something that's implied there that's not explicit, which is these the facts, information, and I mean skills. That's a different definition of knowledge. That's like know-how. Um, what would be a definition you're comfortable with accepting, so we could move sure. move forward? Yeah. So there's three different kinds of of knowledge. There's there's know-how, which is skills. There's okay. personal knowledge, which is like skills are like know-how. Personal knowledge or, or relational knowledge, that's know who. Like I know you. And I I mean, I don't know you all that well, but I could know facts about you without knowing you. Right. There are a lot of people I know facts about that I don't know them personally, right? But personal knowledge is know who. And then um the kind of knowledge I think uh most people talk about in discussions like this is um like factual knowledge know okay. know what so know how know who and know what and the know what kind of knowledge is warranted true belief and uh, maybe we should unpack those terms you tell me if you if you want to but um but that's that's the definition that i am very comfortable with i think the definition that you cited at the beginning is good i just think it's a little incomplete because there's nothing in there about personally assenting to personally believing these propositions to actually be true. Okay. Bef before we move uh, forward, wait, is that Darth Dawkins watching the video? It says Darth Dawkins. Oh, oh bogus, not Darth Dawkins. That would have been cool. Um, sorry, real quick. I do want to get to one of Cindy's comments uh, referring to your strong straw man, uh, because when you have reasons to believe in something, you use the word confidence, no, or trust people use faith only in the sense of belief without evidence. And that was, that's driving me nuts because that was on the tip of my tongue. And when people talk faith, that's usually what comes to mind, belief without evidence. I think, I mean, I I just deny that, that that's true. I, I don't think that that's true at all. I think that if you, if you, if you want to create a stipulative, a stipulative definition of faith where faith just is belief without evidence, I mean, you're certainly willing to do that, but there's no reason for me to, you know, abandon the actual definition of faith, which is, you know, confidence, trust, belief, um, and apply that, that, um, qualifier on there that it has to be without evidence. I mean, I just reject that. That's just not correct. Okay. Um, so, uh, to move on to the knowledge, go ahead and, uh, if one more time, just say your definition of knowledge so we can. Sure. Okay. So, so knowledge is warranted true belief. So the three parts of that are warrant. The first part is warrant and warrant is, um, it's what a, it's what a proposition has when it is, um, the definition comes from philosopher Alvin Plantinga, but a uh, warrant is what happens when your cognitive functions are functioning property properly your truth seeking faculties are functioning property properly excuse me in a propitious environment meaning an environment that is favorable for the the production of true beliefs and it's functioning according to a design plan aimed at true belief production so warrant basically means you have a 
um, that everything up here is working properly and the environment is one in which your mind can work properly, properly. So, so if, you know, it's not, um, it's not knowledge unless you have warrant, you have to have a good reason for believing it. Everything, every, your mind has to, so if you're an insane person and you're just randomly coming up with beliefs, pretty low prob probability there that your beliefs are actually knowledge because you're insane. Your mind is not functioning properly. There's no reason to think that an insane person is coming up with true beliefs. He might think he's a hamburger one minute. He might, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? He might think he's on the international space station orbiting Jupiter the next minute. Like that's not knowledge. That's just random beliefs. You see his mind is not functioning properly. Um, we can think of it, another. So it sounds like you're, you're, I know you're jumping to a, an extreme, but to give an example, based on our previous conversation, it sounds almost like you're talking about me because you made the point that I, 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 I could not know anything. No, I didn't say you couldn't know anything. Um, okay. the, the, the question that you have to ask yourself is why should I think I can know anything at all? I definitely never said you can not know anything or that you can't come to knowledge. No, I would, I would never make that claim. Um, but I have good reasons for believing that the question is, do you have good reasons for believing that you can know anything? Well, see right now you're just making an assertion. You're saying I have good reasons, but you don't. I do have good. Reasons, I could use that. Same, I could use that. <laughs> I could use that same argument. You could. So I, I reject. I no. I reject your claim. Uh, I don't you believe would. you have good reasons. Okay. Could you present me with one? Um, let's let's define. Can we? I don't, I don't want us to get off of this. Can we? Before we before we talk about the specific truth claims. Okay. I mean, well, for one, just the very idea of warranted true belief is impossible outside of a Christian worldview. Um, take truth, for example. So here, so you want a good reason, right? Okay. Um, truth, I mean, even the, the very concept of warrant, I mean, even backing up here, warrant, <clears throat> excuse me, the idea of warrant um, assumes that your truth-seeking faculties, your five senses, your intuition, your reason, you know, that these are actually truth-seeking faculties. You know what I'm saying? Like that they weren't just, um, that they're not just the, the, uh, random product of unguided mutation due to time and chance acting on matter. Uh, you have to assume that there's something going on up here that is aimed at true beliefs. Uh, otherwise you have no basis even thinking about warrant. I mean, even the idea. So in, Go ahead. I have no warrant in my beliefs and only you do is what it sounds like you're saying, but I don't want to put words in your mouth. Well, do you have warrant? I mean, how would you, would you, would you say that you have, you know, truth seeking faculties that are aimed at, at truth and that you have a good reason for believing that? Um, aimed at truth. Absolutely. I mean, I like to think, um, I am one of the most open people on the planet. I mean, there are a lot of things I can rationalize and understand, um, put myself in somebody else's shoes. You know, I may be a hopeful idiot, but at the end of the day, what people seem to forget is I want the truth wherever it leads. Well, let's, if that, we truth that word, truth leads to Christianity, if that truth leads to God, then by all means, I'll follow it there because I want to believe as many true things as possible. 
Okay. Um, so what you've just described is a desire that you have, but that wasn't exactly what I was asking though. What I was asking okay. is, um, on what basis do you, or, or do you believe that your brain, your mind, whether you think of those as two separate things or not? Okay. Is, no, I don't think of them. The brain and the mind is all one thing because there's never been any evidence or reason to believe otherwise. Yeah. Okay. So, <laughs> well, I mean, look, Joel, here, here's the thing. That's just such a sweep. There's never been any reason. Sorry. There's all I have kinds of, I mean, placebo effect alone disproves what you just said. Well, how does the placebo effect demonstrate anything outside of what's going on here? Uh, no, no, I didn't say outside of what's going on here, but it does, it does demonstrate the distinction between the mind and the, the brain because the mind, what the mind thinks has an effect, a supervening effect on the, on the, um, matter of the bot, <clears throat> the, the material right. processes of the body. So, you know, if the brain and the mind are, the, are simply one, then all of your thoughts just are the product of chemical processes. And so there's no, there's no um, reason to ever think that, that, and to my knowledge, there's no accounting for the idea that the thoughts of the mind would have biological or chemical effects on the, you know, the chemistry of the body. Um, so, but I, if so, if we I, could, I, mean, I really do want to define truth because I think, I think we need to get there. It's part of the, the conversation as well, sure. but I don't want to, I just cut you off. So we're having a friendly conversation. So, so no, please. no, you're fine. We're Joel. We're good. You have nothing to worry about. Um, before we get into truth, there, there's one thing I, I do want to backtrack on and it is what happened to me when I gave up Christianity. Now, I want to be clear. I'm talking about how I viewed myself as a Christian. If you probably would not view me as your type of Christian. So I'm only speaking on, I can't compare my Christianity to yours. Dude, yeah, so, speak, speak from your experience, man. Um, the second I, for lack of a better word, pulled the, the, the guide, the God blinders off everything my my political my views all dropped away to give you an example i was uh very very republican um i could have been construed as someone that made hateful comments i personally this is i want to be very clear this is before this is not who i am now um i was someone that wasn't even support of gay adoption and i i find that just looking back crazy because it's like why would you ever want to take that from another human being now when i got rid of these god blinders god goggles whatever you want to call them everything else just dripped away and i stopped caring or inserting my opinion in everyone else's life i just at the end of the day wanted everyone to be happy and it was a very important change in my life and my mindset it made me a happier person. Like I am way more happier now than, than I ever was when I, I when I believed in God. Um, but I, again, to be clear, I'm not saying he doesn't exist. That just came to mind. And uh, sorry, that I kind of went off topic, Joel. No, dude, it's it's all good, man. It's it's good to hear your experience. And uh, I mean, I'm certainly happy for you that you are happy, um, that you feel I would happy. I hope so. <laughs> yeah, of course. 
um, what I'd like to see, you know, I mean, maybe sometime we can get into a longer conversation of our own personal stories and how we ended up, you know, where we are now. Um, when you say my type of Christian, there's only one type of Christian there. And then there are a lot of there. Are, there's only one type of true Christian. And then there's the a lot Scotsman of false fallacy. What's that? That's a no true Scotsman fallacy. No, it's not. No, yes, it's it not. is. Well, no, no, not at all. Because uh, being a Scotsman has nothing to do with, you know, certain behaviors. Being a Christian has everything to do with, uh, you know, there are there are certain. It's, you, you can't just say anytime someone says that's not a true whatever, that's a no true Scotsman fallacy. If someone were to say uh, no true Scotsman has. No true Scotsman has no Scottish blood. No truce. Hold on. Let me think if that makes sense. In other words, to be a Scotsman, you know, there's things that there's actual, there are actual Scotsmen, right? And there are actual Christians, right? So there are, there are, I mean, the word Scotsman still means something. So that fallacy, you can't just apply that here. But the, the word the, Christian actually does mean something. So okay. if I go with the biblical definition of, of Christian, you can't say, well, that's a no true Scotsman fallacy because it does actually have a definition. I, I like Kenneth's comment. <laughs> No true Christian fallacy. It's, I mean, Christian means something, though, right? So I guess an, an important question would be, how, how do we define who is a true Christian then? Because someone could easily say, well, Joel, you're not a true Christian. Yeah, people, um, people have, so have absolutely said that. If we me. get 10 of you in the room and we get 10 different answers, how am I supposed to determine which one of you is a true Christian? Well, you for you me, me to even question last time. Right. So what did I say then? I'll just say the same thing now read the bible i think it was or yeah, right uh, here right here oh there we go yeah i mean the bible has if we're going to use biblical terms we have to use biblical categories so you know a, a christian is someone who has been regenerated who has the holy spirit in them who has surrendered everything to jesus christ and received him as savior and lord okay. um you know so there there are different ways of looking at a christian a christian is someone who has their name written in the book of life you know uh, mentioned in revelation um, a Christian is is someone who believes that all the promises of God are yes in Christ Jesus, just as the Bible says. A Christian is someone who's had his or her sins forgiven uh, by Jesus Christ. So there's the objective and the subjective dimensions of what it means to be a Christian. Um, but, you know, I, I don't get to define what it means to be a Christian any more than anyone else gets to define. I mean, there's an objective definition to that. It's not just some amorphous term. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, I, I get what you're saying. I just still have trouble wrapping my head around it. Um, I sorry if I say your name wrong, Jocelyn. Uh, by the way, you said uh, you asked who how you want to get in on this. It's funny. I was going to message you earlier and ask you if you were interested because I've seen many of your comments. So I will message you after this show. Um, apologies, didn't mean to get off topic. I just uh, wanted to address that. So. By my understanding, a true Christian is one that follows everything in the bible to a t can you what do you what do you mean by that like, like so is a christian someone who brings a sacrifice on the day of atonement into the temple because that's not that's not possible so like what do you mean by that follows the no i i okay um there are some what i would define as morally unacceptable things in the bible yeah Sure, um, I'm sure there are. So <laughs> probably the the number one morally unacceptable thing would be love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. <laughs> Come on, Joel, you know that's not where I was going. Well, 
sure but that's i mean that's when you get that this is this is why we have to talk about biblical definitions because right. a christian a christian is someone who who you know you don't start off in your Christian walk by, you know, joining the Republican or the Libertarian Party or something like that, or, you know, or, or, you know, putting a pro-life sticker on your jacket. I mean, uh, becoming a Christian is about repentance and faith in Jesus Christ. And then there's a lifetime, Brandon, of what the Bible calls sanctification, which means being made more like Christ or being made more holy. And so that is a process that continues on uh, throughout life. And there's going to be all kinds of questions we bring to the text of scripture like well you know wow why did god allow israel to um to attack the um the jebusites and the canaanites like that you know what and and these are questions that we can have but um i i like the the question that we're answering tonight um and if you'll forgive my redirection a little bit here because um i would love to talk about faith and and truth i think that's very pertinent i i think if we don't even have a concept of what truth is in the first place, or, or if we don't even have a concept of what it means to actually have knowledge, then my belief in Christianity is just by definition as good as your your belief that God does not exist or your lack of belief in God, whatever you want to say. You remember um, this time. Oh, I always remember. I just like to uh, get your goat a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're, hard, you're good at that. So, all right. So, G Jesus me up. Get get me Get me from here to where you're at. Well, let's let's start with this. What's your definition of truth? I, I guess the uh, what is in accordance with fact and reality. Here. Okay. Is that an acceptable, or do you want me to? I think you're one third of the way there. I I, I like I like that Here. truth as far as it goes. Truth is most often used to mean being in accord with fact or reality or fidelity to an original or standard. Truth is also sometimes defined in modern context as an idea of truth to self or authenticity. Sure, sure. So there's different definitions of truth. Absolutely. Um, when we're when we're talking about you know something being in accordance with reality, you know um, we have to define our terms a little bit further there as well, uh, if you'll allow me, because. Um, because what can be in accordance with something else? You know, um, an object, you know, my letter opener here is, an, is just an object. It's a physical object. This letter opener is not about anything. It's, it just, uh, you know, it exists. Now, I have thoughts about the letter opener. I think it's good for opening letters. It's not great. I wish it was a little sharper, actually. You know, I've got all these beliefs and opinions about this letter opener, but it itself is not about anything. So, what can be about something else? What can be in accordance with something else, in accordance with the way things actually are? Only propositions. So propositions are um, are able to be in accordance. So I am holding the letter opener. That's a proposition that's in accordance with reality. This okay. is a letter opener is in accordance with the reality. Uh, the letter opener itself is not anything. So because truth is an attribute of propositions. First of all, does that make sense so far? Yeah. Okay. So I, I think I'm following you. Okay. Okay. All right. If, if if I'm like not making sense or whatever, please let me know. But um, because we're talking about attributes of propositions, we we have to include, I think, a couple of other components to what truth is. So 
um, number one, a proposition has to be comprehensible. It has to be linguistic in nature. I mean, that's so basic, it almost doesn't even need to be said. But a proposition has to make sense in terms of logic. You know, if I say, uh, letter opener, the big table is pink ball dog, that doesn't make any sense because I'm not following any laws of logic or I'm sorry, laws of language. Okay. That's not, that's not Greek. That's not English. That's not anything. That's just nonsense. So a proposition in, in order for a proposition to be true, the bare minimum, it has to be linguistic in nature. Um, so we have to use language to make these, to even assert propositions, let alone believe okay. them to be true. Um, and then the the last component of truth is it must be logical. It has to be coherent. So it has to be comprehensible. Um, it has to be in, uh, correspondent to the facts. So comprehensible, correspondent, and it has to be coherent. It has to be logical. Um, it can't be self-referentially incoherent. It can't be self-contradictory. It can't be inconsistent. If it is, then now you're violating the laws of logic, specifically the law of non-contradiction, for example. A okay. is not not A in the same way at the same time, et cetera, et cetera. So I can't say, for example, I couldn't say this. Um, this is a letter opener and this is not a letter opener. Okay, I'd right. have to give some qualifiers like this is not a letter opener um, that was made by, you know, the letter opener corp, but it is a letter opener that was made by U.S. letter opener manufacturing or something. I'd okay. have to give other, sorry for being ridiculous, with this, but <laughs> I have to give some qualifiers because truth has to be coherent. And so when we're analyzing whether or not the beliefs that we hold are actually count as knowledge, we have to analyze whether or not we have warrant for them and whether or not they are actually true. And for them to be true, they have to be um, comprehensible, they have to be coherent, and they have to be correspondent to reality. So I do think you were on the right track. I just think you were missing two thirds of the definition. If you don't like those, those other two thirds, feel free to like, you know, let me know. I'm certainly I'm certainly open. I, I just um, want to try and other ideas. Simplify this to make sure I'm not misunderstanding you. Sure. Um, two plus two is four, correct? Correct. Now, if we have no words to describe that, are you saying that two plus two is no longer four? No, that what I'm saying is, because remember truth is an attribute of proposition. So if you have no words to describe that, then you will not have a true belief in your head that two plus two equals four. And, and it doesn't have to be words. I said language. So mathematics is also a language. So if you have in your head, um, if I said words, I, I shouldn't have said just words. I, I'm, I meant to put the emphasis on language because mathematics is, is a language. Logic can also be a language. Um, you know, uh, there's, there's notation for logic, systematic logic. Um, uh, systematic. Uh, real quick, Robbie. Yeah. I just, so you know, I'm the atheist. Uh, Joel is the Christian. Yes. Um, Cindy Plaza said coherence has nothing to do with truth. Okay. So, so, so if that's the case, then coherence does have everything to do with truth. I mean, and, uh, Kenneth said, Joel is describing attributes of truth without nailing down what truth is, okay. unless I'm missing something. Okay, so uh, truth is an at, first of all, to the the woman who said that coherence has nothing to do with truth, yeah. I um, if that's the case, what she's saying is that truth can be illogical, which if that's the case... I don't then, think that's what she said. I, I don't think co coherence co and logical are the same uh, 
Co coherence just means not self-referentially incoherent, not incoherent. But something can be coherent and also false. So you, um, oh, yeah, of course. That's why you need okay. all three. No, no, for sure. Okay. Oh, of course. Um, listen, uh, this, I'm holding up my letter opener for those who are just listening. This is a pen, is a coherent statement. It's a logical statement, but it's not a true statement because it's not correspondent to reality. <laughs> okay, I got it. Um, does Joel object to truth is which corresponds to reality? Like that truth? was perfect timing. No, I, but I've also been spending the last 10 minutes explaining why that's, that's incomplete. So, uh, truth is an attribute of a proposition that corresponds to reality is comprehensible in terms of language and is coherent in terms of the laws of logic. Okay. So uh, do you, do you, are you good with that? I'm having trouble wrapping my head around it because I'm, sure. I'm trying to process it all. And I'm literally don't take this wrong, but I'm looking for the apologetic trap that I'm missing. I honestly, Brandon, I, what I tried to do is I tried to give a definition of truth that was that literally anyone could agree with. Now, the, the question is, because even what you just said, you know, truth is that which corresponds to reality. All I did was just further define that, okay. that which, well, what is that? That is a proposition. You know what I'm saying? And for it to be a proposition, it has to be, to make sense, it has to be linguistic in nature and it has to be logical. I mean, that's just, unless you want to go out there and say, no, I can just speak gibberish or I can just say whatever I want that's self-contradictory and that can be true, which I, I don't know you all that well, but I don't think you're saying that. And so all I'm trying to do is put a little more meat on the bones of, of that, that definition so that it's a little bit more complete. So the reason I want to bring this question up is because I, I, he, he formulated it better than what I was saying. Can something be true even if we lack the vocabulary to describe it? Example, radiation has always been a thing if we didn't have means to detect or manipulate it. Yes, of course. Yes. True. I'm not a, I'm not a subjectivist or some kind of a new ager where I think that our beliefs about the world actually change the, um, you know, the state of affairs. No, of course. Um, but all that is to say is that, you know, remember uh, truth is a truth is an attribute of a proposition. So if someone were to say, you know, 500 years ago, if someone were to say, uh, radiation, and then they defined radiation, you know, as the, the shedding of a, uh, what is radiation? The shedding of a, uh, a particle by an atom. I, I I'm not even going to attempt to describe okay, okay, what radiation fine. is. <laughs> so let's, say, let's say that they, they define radiation accurately. And then they go, that does not exist. Well, that would be untrue, right? So truth is an attribute of a proposition. So there's no apologetic bent to this in terms of a definition, what I'm trying to do is establish a baseline definition of truth so that we can move from there onto knowledge so that what I'm hoping, Brandon, what I'm hoping is that we can get to a point where we can actually see whose worldview, whose way of looking at the world actually accounts for the fact that human beings are able to come to actual knowledge. Because I do believe that you and I can both know things, okay. but, but, um, the, the nature of the case is that without acknowledging the God of the Bible, without having a proper attitude towards the God of the Bible, 
you're going to have a Dickens of a time trying to account for the idea that we can know anything at all. And that's where I'm trying to go with this. So what okay. I'm trying to do is just establish knowledge as a, I'm sorry, truth as a baseline, as a component of knowledge being warranted true belief. There's no trick here. There's no gotcha so because just, I am trying to get somewhere. Right. But just to be clear, you, you, you did make another claim that without okay. uh, Christianity, knowledge or sorry, I, I don't want to misquote you again. Could you repeat the, that's where I'm trying to get to. Okay. I'm laying down a definition of truth so that we, we agree on what truth is so that I can, um, I mean, I mean, ultimately what I'm trying to do is tell you, um, you know, what I believe truth is. And if you have a competing definition, I'm, I'm happy to. No, no, let's, let's move yeah. forward because okay. Trina, Trina right. makes a great point. This, this whole conversation is like a high school English test. Vocabulary test Friday. No, I did used to be a high so, school teacher, so there, there could be some <laughs> There it there. is. So I, I think what people seem to forget is they're as annoying and tedious as it can be, we do have to agree on definitions. Yes. Otherwise, things get lost in the mud. We'll talk past each other. We'll misunderstand each other. So it, it really can be annoying, but it's very important, um, especially when you're dealing with an apologetic to move this conversation forward and make sure you have agreeable terms. Well, sure. Otherwise we're going to get 15 minutes down the road and we're going to realize that we have totally different definitions. Exactly. Talk about. Yeah. So now that we have an agreement or understanding, let's start moving to how, uh, get me again, get me from here to there. Well, I, okay. I, I the, so the Bible says that whoever answers without listening first that is his folly and his shame and so what i what i don't want to do is assume that i know how you think warranted true beliefs are generated um so how do you think before i even begin to give any kind of polemical or apologetic uh, you know like attack on your answer how how do you think we have knowledge how do i think we have knowledge how, how like 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 in, in Brandon's way of thinking about things, why is knowledge possible? Why is knowledge a thing? That's an incredibly difficult, <laughs> difficult thing to explain. No. Um, I, I honestly wouldn't even know. I'm trying to think this one thoroughly through sure. um, and where to begin. But... Okay, let me let me turn this on you. How is knowledge a thing? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You broke up. One more time. Uh, let let me turn this around. How is knowledge a thing for you? Or let me sorry. Ask the question to yourself. I'd like to hear your answer. Well, I, I okay. So you so you don't want to answer? I I will. I would like to hear your answer first. Sure. Okay. Well. Um, if we just go down the line of warranted true belief, if we look at each of those components, um, I believe that man is created in the image of God, according to Genesis one twenty seven. Okay. So ontologically, meaning in terms of our being, we are the kind of creature that is designed to come uh, to come to true beliefs, and we do this through our truth seeking faculties, which you could define as um, uh, observation, and that includes, you know, all sorts of our five senses and other ways that we observe things, um, our intuition and our reasoning. Um, I believe that 
all three of those are perfectly valid ways of coming to warranted true belief and generating true beliefs because I believe we are created in the image of God. And all throughout scripture, we have um, encouragement from our loving God and Father to seek knowledge and to come to, to knowledge. And to, not only that, but to test claims. Uh, Christians are discouraged, uh, actually um, absolutely pros proscribed, not prescribed, but um, we are prohibited from believing things without testing them, believing propositions and claims without testing them adequately. Um, so you are? Yes, we are not to have blind faith. That is that is a very, this is why I say it's a straw man. So your commenter earlier, he was like, that's not a straw man. That's how Christians, no, we don't, we don't, uh, you know, this idea of there being a leap of faith and blind faith, that comes from uh, 19th century existentialist Soren Kierkegaard, who said that, you know, faith is a leap into the unknown. That's not, I mean, he was a Christian. I'm not doubting his Christianity, but he had some weird ideas. He was an existentialist. Uh, that's not, that was not, that's not a biblical idea. That's not an idea he got from scripture. That's not an idea that any Christian is obligated to hold. And it's, it's actually an idea that is, that is an unbiblical one. So, um, so no, now that is a, a very, saying that Christians believe things um, based on evidence is not the same thing as saying that we have a purely empirical epistemology, meaning we only believe things through experience, or we only believe things through reasoning, or we only believe things through intuition or something like that. No, far from it. We believe in all three of those truth-seeking faculties and whatever other valid truth-seeking faculties you might um, be able to come up with. Because we believe we are made in the image of God, we believe that God is real, we, we believe that God's word is true, and therefore, it's like we look out in the world and we're like, hey, I can actually come to true conclusions. I can do science. I can uh, get to know people. I can I can acquire skills. That's so interesting. It's exactly like what the Bible says. I can test truth from error. Uh, so, so as uh, a Christian, I'm you know that's that's how we come to to true belief. So uh, so two things. I want to address Robbie's comment. Robbie, I completely reject that. Atheists don't have faith. We don't need faith to not believe. It so literally, said atheists have the most faith. Yeah, it literally takes no faith to not believe in something. So, um, that is an interesting you, statement, though, by Robbie. Though I, I, I'd be curious to know where he's going with that. But I, I have a feeling it probably has something to do with, you know, as uh, you know, I can tell you, in, in I, God. I, don't, I don't like to assume people's position, but I've heard this before. I can tell you exactly where he's going. Sure. If, if you're rejecting a belief in God, which I'm not, or you're saying God doesn't exist, you need faith to say God doesn't exist. And no, I'm not saying no. God doesn't exist. That's just typically the argument I've seen. That's where the argument leads when I see comments like that. Okay. I think, I think uh, a related question might be, well, and, and I would, again, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this from, you know, as a secular humanist slash atheist. Um, how do you think that knowledge is possible? I would say through my understanding of truth and reality, observation, um, life experience, I, I would say that's how knowledge is possible. Would um, you say it's, and, is it possible? I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Um, I, I did want to backtrack though to one of uh, one of the things you said. You said uh, that 
Christians need to be able to test their belief, and it's not just a leap of faith. It can't. It can't be just a. a it's yeah. That that's correct. Yes, it's not a leap of blind faith. Correct. So, if this is something that you did just say was testable, is that correct? When you say this, and when you say testable, can you again? Uh, sorry. Uh, whether it be God existing. Um, well, God, God existing is our fundamental, is our starting presupposition. Just, just like it's your fun, just like it's your starting presupposition. It's just you get so far, and then you go back, turn around, and deny it. But you live. Not, no, I, but, I reject that. I, I know, I know, that. I know. But you live in such a way. So you live, you live in the in the world as though the world is an intelligible place, and that you're capable of coming to knowledge. Which those are Christian presuppositions. Those are based upon the presupposition that there is a God who made you with truth-seeking faculties. That um, that the world is intelligible. That science is possible. And those are Christian presuppositions. So this is where I have an issue with presuppositions. Um, let's turn this argument around. I'd like I, before you turn you, it around. No, I'd no, no I just want to make a point. Way. You're okay. you're you're an atheist. I know you are, and I know that's where you get your knowledge from and understanding of the world. Your base presupposition is atheism. Okay. Do you reject or accept that? Oh, you're oh you're trying to you're trying to turn around. And do I, that. I'm making a point on why yeah, I yeah. personally feel that that is not an argument of any merit because well, I where, can say that to anybody. I, I, can, I understand. I understand. And if I if I said that purely arbitrarily, I would 100 percent be right there with you, going, "No, you can't just tell somebody what they believe." 100 percent. Okay. What I'm what I'm not doing is I'm not telling you these are the beliefs that you would. Um, you know, uh, uh, sign a document saying you believe or something like that. What I'm saying is you behave in such a way, you know, show me what someone says they believe and then show me how they act and I'll tell you what they really believe. So, um, there's a verse in James, the, the, the epistle of James in the new Testament. It says, um, you know, show me your faith without works and I'll show you my faith by what I do. In other words, uh, put your money where your mouth is, essentially, is what he's saying. Okay. So uh, if you want to say, and this is, Brandon, I, I, I got I to gotta keep coming back to this because you keep- Go ahead. Keep, keep pushing. Keep this, pushing. Man. Dude. What, what am I dodging? You, you are acting as though knowledge is possible, that you have valid, well-functioning, truth-seeking faculties in a propitious environment according to a design plan. And what I'm saying is if you want to reject any this, of them, I, I reject design plan. Completely. Yes, I, I know that. And now- <laughs> But now the thing is, now you've got to account for why you'd go about your life assuming that you can have knowledge if there is no design design plan, if there is no you know uh, uh, design um, uh, intended intelligibility of the universe. In other words, a but I don't. So you're you're go again ahead. you're making a, a presupposition. I'm, I reject I, I, that, and therefore now it's your turn to ex to explain. Then go ahead because that's what I've been trying to get you to do. Okay, sorry. You want me to explain. Just so I, I'm understanding you correctly, explain specifically what, how knowledge is possible. I want to know why you would would hold the belief that knowledge is possible, given given your unbelieving, skeptical, atheistic, secularistic <laughs> uh, principles. All right, given given who you are and what you believe. Now you're. Your explanation is going to have to arise from those principles, though. So just keep that in mind. Well, no, it doesn't. 
my my knowledge is not based on secular humanism. My no, knowledge no, your, is not based on atheism. Your your explanation as to why knowledge is possible has to be in line with your secular humanism. Otherwise, no, it doesn't. What? Why does it have to be in line with secular humanism? Not knowledge. I, I wouldn't say goes hand in hand with secular humanism. Well, so just like I wouldn't I say knowledge thing. goes hand in hand with Christianity. No, what what I'm maybe I'm maybe I'm totally being totally unclear here. What I'm saying is. <clears throat> However you explain knowledge, it's going to have to be in line with everything else you believe. That's all I'm saying. Like if you were to if you were to say God doesn't exist and God is the explanation for knowledge, I'd be like, what? Wait, what? It doesn't make any sense, right? So what I'm saying is, you know, just be consistent in your explanation. Okay. I guess I so just do that. I, my, my, yeah, there you go. Okay. Um, my base understanding would be that knowledge is possible through an understanding of truth and reality and life experience. What what are the truth seeking faculties that you use in order to to come to true beliefs? Like what 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 do you have in here? <clears throat> How I, I guess I, I'm maybe I'm just not understanding you now. How does that? How does experience turn into knowledge? I guess let's let's say that. How does experience turn into knowledge? Sure. Um, so this computer breaks. I need to learn how to fix it. And as time goes on, I, I do, I practice, I fix it. I learn to fix it again, fix it faster. Now I've acquired knowledge for how to fix this problem. Therefore, I, I wouldn't, I don't need God to know how to fix this computer. I learned myself. You got to take it a step back though. I, I, sure. I see what you're saying, but you, you're talking about know-how. Remember we talked earlier about know-how, know, know who and know what. You're talking about know-how. But okay. know-how, know-how, skills, um, assume that you can you can already know what like you know that there's such a thing as a computer you know like Correct. you you know <clears throat> you know that you know you exist you know that uh that the world is um the kind of place that is not best explained according to you I and mean, you believe this it's not knowledge because it's false but uh the kind of place that is best explained without a god so you what I'm trying to figure out is how did you come to know any of that? Can you give me an example? Let's let's give something specific. Um, well, give me an, uh, give me an example of a, a proposition that you believe is true that you would say you have this knowledge. Okay, so I want to be clear. Uh, when I'm saying knowledge, I'm not referring to 100% absolute certainty. Okay, because I don't believe absolute certainty is possible. Do you believe that with absolute certainty? <laughs> Nice try. No, uh, I, I am reasonably confident <laughs> that uh, reasonable that uh, that it's not possible. Are you are, are you certain that you're reasonably confident? <laughs> Man, I'm not are trying we to be, keep doing this. I know. No, no. Listen, doing. listen, Brandon. I you got to admit that you're you're certain of at least something. Certain, yeah, but I want to be you clear. Just said anything, be anything I say is not one hundred percent certainty. Is I that, admit. Is that certain, <laughs> dude? Brandon, you can't make a. You got to subject okay. your own claims to their own Again, claims. I, I'm not going to say anything is is one hundred percent certain, and Are not you even. That you're not going to say. Not, okay, stop. I'm not. I just said I'm not going to say anything is one hundred percent certain because I, again, I don't believe absolute certainty is possible I'm, based I'm on my understanding here. of the world but that's not a coherent that's not coherent H how is that not coherent 
saying. So here, saying let me I'm, simplify it. What you're saying Sir. is this. I, I have no certainty about anything. I have no that, absolute certainty, certainty about anything. Fine. I have no absolute certainty about anything. But you aren't absolutely certain about that. So you might actually have absolute certainty about something. <laughs> True? I, I wouldn't even know. I Because I, I, okay, again, I, I'm not absolutely certain. So I'm not absolutely certain about not being absolutely certain. Correct. That, so that you just, might have absolute certainty. That, no, that's, something. that's not what I'm saying. I'm I'm rejecting. I, I do not have absolute certainty. You have to apply your lack of absolute certainty to the claim that you have no absolute certainty. I'm not yes. trying to be a jerk. I'm not no, I didn't take it like that. I'm laughing at Larry's comment because yes. I, I walked right into that one. So, so, so Brandon, Brandon, I'm dude, I, I'm going to give you a chance to back that up. Walk that back. You can't say you have no absolute certainty about anything because that is a claim of absolute certainty about right, your own right, level right. of certainty to the best of my ability i do not know that i can be absolutely certain about anything but are you certain about that brandon <laughs> what okay come on man not dude dude you listen i i want no, I, I'm not absolutely certain. And, okay. And <laughs> okay, so you might have absolute certainty. Brent, there's no escaping this. I'm not, this isn't like, this isn't me okay. trying to like pull let's, some apology right, Let's trip. move forward then. Okay, but I just- Is it I, possible that I may be absolutely certain about not having absolute certainty? Sure. Well, that's, but you're the clear, one claiming not to have certainty. Absolute certainty isn't necessary for knowledge or truth. That's correct, yes. Uh, but, here we go. But- I, maximal certainty that that was a better word thanks kenneth maximal certainty yes and i'm not i i did not make the claim that absolute or maximal certainty about everything about everything that you believe is necessary for knowledge that's not my uh that's that's not my claim but it is an incoherent belief and you have to see this seriously you have to see this and this is not an apologetic trick because i'm literally just repeating back to you no, I, I get what you're repeating back, but here, here's the thing: we're, we're getting we're getting stuck, and we because need to find to... a way to move this conversation forward. Okay, fine. So, to, what to so, so here's here's why here's why this is important. Okay, here's why this is important because for you to know anything at all, for you to know anything at all. You have to have certainty at least about something. There has to be a point where your infinite regress of propositions stops. In other words, if let's say you say, I'm reasonably confident, fairly confident, and I don't even think as an atheist you can use the word reasonable, but that's fine. <laughs> I'm saying it, not you. you I'm, I'm reasonably you know confident. That I gotta, I gotta ask this, Joe, and I, I mean this in the most respectful way possible. But it's I was watching a video on things Christians say that they don't realize how disrespectful they can be. Um, and I just try and picture an atheist saying these same things, and I'm like, wow, if I said these things, I would be a jerk. So 
Okay. I, 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 I feel like you're making a lot of assumptions, starting with the base of sure. me not being able to even understand reason or no, be I reasonable. Say, right. I didn't say understand reason. Sorry, so, be Brandon, reasonable. Is that so, correct? So, so Brandon, I, I apologize if I was disrespectful. I would no, meant, I meant I, no disrespect. I'm not offended by any means. Okay. The, um, well, to be fair, uh, Jesus tells us to treat others the way you want to be treated. Absolutely. Okay? So my, my goal here is what I'm trying to do is address these terms in their technical sense. What I'm not saying is, you know, you're, uh, you know, some, some dummy and you're not, you're not making any sense. That's not what I'm saying. When I say that atheism isn't reasonable or atheistic uh, arguments aren't reasonable, what I'm saying is they have no way of accounting for the existence of reason itself. So, so I'm not, what I'm not saying, and just like earlier when I, I was trying to make it clear, I was not saying you can't know things. I'm the one saying you actually can have certain knowledge. You're the one saying you can't possibly have certain knowledge um, or, or maximal certainty if you want. Mm. So, um, <clears throat> so, so to be clear, that's not some kind of personal insult by any means. All I'm trying to say is the principles that you have said that you believe do not connect with your desire to be reasonable. Now, I think you can be reasonable because you're made in the image of God. But what I'm saying is that there's a disconnect there between your explicit disbelief in God and your implicit belief in uh, all of the wonderful, glorious things that God brings that make conversation and reason possible. That's all I'm getting at. So, okay. And just, and just to be clear, you do understand that even if my position is incorrect, false or not true that doesn't make your position any more true of course yeah okay yeah so but, but yeah sure no right of course no every, every every um yes that that should go without saying but yes that's correct so let, let's try and humanize this discussion a little bit at the end of the day you want me to become a christian is that true or not I hope that not only you, but everyone watching this would become as I am, except for uh, this uh, propensity to be very disrespectful in our, our discussions. But yes, of course. So uh, yeah, I, I, so to be clear, I, it takes an infinite amount to offend me. Fair and I, I was just saying that like, I can see where it'd be disrespectful, but sure. Because I wouldn't be offended I would if never an atheist told me that. So I, I, I understand where you're coming from. So let's, I, I'm going to drop my quote, critical thinking skills for a moment. Okay. There, there, there's, there's, okay. That was, I apologize. I, I gotta, I, I'm going to retract that. That was kind of a dickish thing to say. I apologize. Um, I would like you with some of the time we have left. Can you, can you get me? Maybe not all the way to where you're at, but but give me a better understanding. Move me to get me away from atheism. Get sure. me a little bit towards you so I can understand. Because right now, we're just going back and forth on definitions, which is great, and it's important for a debate. Mm. But I, I want to get somewhere. I want to get to the truth, totally. Joel. Totally. So okay. yeah. could you help me? And, yeah, so, and move me towards you a little bit more. Well, you're asking me to do something that I actually can't do. 
in other words, I can't change your heart, man. I can't, of course. I can't make you believe something. I can't, um, I could, I, I could give you the best possible argument. And dude, you know, there are so many apologists out there that are infinitely better and more winsome and more uh, knowledgeable than I am. And I don't think, I think if you lined up a hundred of the world's greatest apologists, <clears throat> that wouldn't automatically make you a Christian or any closer to being a Christian. And it wouldn't even uh, necessarily move you toward being a Christian. And the reason for that is this, the, the problem that each of us has that we're brought into this world with is not a lack of evidence or a problem with uh, primarily, it's not primarily a problem with our uh, logical abilities because there are plenty of Christians who don't understand logic, believe me. Oh. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's not a prerequisite. I'm not throwing any of my brothers and sisters under the bus. It's just a, a fact of life, right. right? Just like there are plenty of atheists who don't understand logic. Absolutely. And, and everyone else in between. So our fundamental problem is sin. Sin is disobeying God. And according to the Bible, that is very bad news because the Bible says that the wages of sin is death. That's in Romans 6.23. Now, death has different definitions in the Bible, but one of those definitions is physical death, to be sure, but another definition is spiritual death. And you see spiritual death show up in the very first few pages of the Bible, Genesis chapter 3. Genesis is the first book of the Bible, and um, only a few verses in to the, to the third chapter of Genesis, what we see is uh, mankind, the man and the woman, disobeying God. That was when they sinned. And immediately their relationship with God, their creator, dramatically changed. Instead of being in perfect harmony with God and with each other, they hid from God and they started turning on each other. And right there in Genesis chapter 3, you have in seed form an apologetic or an answer for all of the terrible discord and crime and abuse and uh and sin interpersonal sin that happens in the world so um, let's unpack sin um and sure. real quick before we do that uh cindy plaza wants to debate joel so bad right now uh after ken i think this is one you should consider because this would be a heck of a debate i i think you two would be uh yeah it'd be really good so something you should think about sounds like fun um Anyway, so I don't, many of the sins of the Bible, I don't have an issue with. And in fact, I would argue, okay, let me, uh, let's do this. Um, if, how many children do you have? Four. Four. Okay. If one of your children, and if, if you don't want to touch base on this, totally fine. I can give another example. If one of your children came out as gay, can you honestly say you as a loving father would have an issue with that person or would actually believe that that person is worthy of hell? Or would you even consider that an abomination? So one of my kids comes to me and, and says, Hey, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm a boy and I'm sexually attracted to boys. Correct. Okay. Yeah. So your question is, uh, would I accept him still like as my son? So, okay. Or would uh, I say that he's going to hell or like, what's your, yeah. Would you, I guess, would you say he's going to hell? 
Um, well, I think I think it's important to to see. I mean, Adam and Eve uh, died spiritually, but their sin was not homosexuality. Homosexuality, uh, depending on how you define that, and um, you know, same-sex attraction is a disordered um, is a is a disordered attraction. Um, but that is also different from ho like homosexual sexual activity. That's that is uh, acting upon a sinful desire, in the same way that um, you know wanting to you know murder my neighbor or something. I don't want to murder my neighbor, but um, that would be a very disordered um, uh, so affection. Having being tempted in a certain direction is not the same thing as acting on that temptation now All why, right, are, we, let's, why let's, are we tempted by sin we're tempted by sin because we're sinners we are we act upon sin because um well because we love sin and ultimately we have a, a problem with god it's the same problem that adam and eve had so um there is not one particular sin that it's like if you're a christian and jesus has forgiven your sins oh no now i committed this sin now god um now god doesn't uh, love me anymore no far from it uh, actually, um, you can be a, a really so, well-behaved religious person and go to hell if you've never trusted in Jesus Christ. I, I do want to get a, a, a bit of a firm answer here on you, though. Would I say my son is going to hell if he turned gay? Yes. I, I would. I would say my. I would tell my son, as I've told my kids since you know they were old enough to um, to even understand anything like this, that uh, there is one God. God is a loving God. God is a good God. And all of us have sinned and fallen short of God's glorious standard. That applies to them, that applies to me, that applies to their mom, and applies to you, Brandon. And the wages of that sin, all sin, is death and hell. That's the wages of all sin. So if my son were to come to me and say, uh, hey, Dad, you know, I think I might be gay, um, you know, I'd want to sit down with him in love. Let me actually jump in here. Sorry, Jocelyn. If if I said turned gay, I apologize. I, I meant to say came out as gay. I said so. I said turned gay. Oh, okay. All right. She's she's probably operating off the assumption that uh, that's it, you're born that way, which has actually been debunked by science recently. <laughs> yeah. Whoa. There's Whoa. no gay gene. They've I, sequenced I, the, the gay genome or the the genome. There is no gay gene. I, <laughs> but that's fine. She can believe what she wants. It's not true, but she can believe it. I'm having trouble with that one. That's um, fine. But here, go to. Okay, I, I really so the just. Question I, of my son. I will never stop loving my son. I want to make that abundantly, perfectly clear. I will never stop loving my son. I will never dis disavow my son, uh, because of any sin that he might bring to me. Just so everyone knows where I stand, I just. I want to make sure this conversation is clear since we're going on this topic that I 100% stand behind the LGBTQIA plus community and their rights. Brandon, um, are, are you, um, oh, I, I stand behind their rights as well, by the way, just to be clear. Ever, all human beings are made in the image of God and have dignity and are entitled to uh, all, all of their God-given rights. One of those rights, right, you know, we probably would define some of those rights differently, like the right to redefine marriage and stuff like that, but so let's but, let's get a, a a simple answer from you. Okay, what if, I say that my son is going to hell. Let me ask you this: <laughs> Is my son a Christian at that point? Is he is he regenerate? Has he has he has has he been forgiven by Jesus Christ? Has he trusted in Jesus Christ for his salvation? 
I, I can't answer that. I would think you do, but I guess to the best of my ability, I would like to think so. Well, okay. So Romans chapter eight says that there is nothing that can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Nothing. Sorry. So, I got to, I apologize, Joel. I am really frustrated with this comment. Uh, homosexuality is perversion. Robbie, I, I'm sorry, man. I mean this as respectful as possible. But pick up a book. That's incredibly disrespectful to say to somebody that it's a perversion. And <clears throat> I wholeheartedly disagree with what you're saying. That uh, is, sorry. So, I didn't mean to cut you off, Joel. That just no, no, that, no that frustrated no me a little bit. Yeah. So, so the, um, the the thing is, Brandon. If I could have lost my salvation, I would have lost. <clears throat> I would have lost it a thousand times. I mean, you're talking to a wretched sinner, wretched sinner. Okay, so there is there is not going to be any possible world where I come to you and say, or I come to my son and go, "Hey, you need to be holy like I am." Okay. Now I might say, "Imitate me as I imitate Christ," or "Follow me as I follow Christ." But the emphasis is always on Jesus Christ, never on any mere man. And so um, if my son were to come to me and say, I'm dealing with such and such sin, or I'm, I'm attracted in this way, or I'm, uh, I've gone to my dad with, with sins that I've struggled with, uh, and you know, sins that I'm, I wouldn't be comfortable sharing in a video like this, just as, as you wouldn't feel comfortable um, sharing all of your you know, misdeeds in a video like this, but God sees oh. everything. God so I sees really, everything. last time we talked, I had trouble getting answers out of you. So I, I really want to hit home and get a, get a firm answer on you. Um, yes or no. If your son came out as gay, would you say he's going to hell? If he were not a, if he was not a Christian, I would warn him about hell. Yes, I would warn he's him. He's a Christian. About, he's let's say he's a Christian. No, of course not. How could I possibly undo what Jesus did on the cross? No. Okay. But being, so, but, being but I, but now that does that mean that I would tell him that? Uh, I would, I would, if he was a Christian. See, this is why you have to, you know, define the situation a little clearer, because if he were a Christian, he would have the same Bible that I have. And so he'd be able to read it and see what Jesus taught about marriage. And he'd be able to read it and see how God created the male and female. And, you know, if he came to me and said, Dad, I'm struggling with this. Um, will you help me with this? Will you help me uh, realign my life with, uh, you know, with God's plan and help me conform to Jesus, so, to Jesus Christ? I would say, absolutely, son. And if he were to say, you know, Dad, I don't care about what Jesus says anymore. Well, then I would, then I would say, you know, son, you need to repent and believe the gospel. So, and, and this is where I take issue because I, I, I don't have kids. I, I, have a, I have a cat and I'm not comparing them to kids. I, I'm just giving, that's the closest thing I have. Sure. Not saying a cat is like raising a kid. Please yeah. don't take it like that. Sometimes. I would, I would die for my cat in a heartbeat. Hmm. If my cat committed what you defined as a sin, and somebody wanted to torture him for half from for yeah, torture him for an eternity. I would stand in between him and that person and say, "I think you're morally bankrupt. This person, this cat, has no right to be tortured." Hmm. I mean, realistically, if someone, if your son, anyone wants to wants to be gay, why would God care? I mean, here is 
a, a being of infinite knowledge, infinite power, and he cares about something as minuscule as what goes on in the bedroom. Like, like why? Why? Like, especially if they're made in God's image. If they're mm -hmm. made in God's image, then <clears throat> then what? Sh shouldn't you accept him the way he is? So you're saying I should just reject the Christian teaching on sin, the biblical teaching? No, I would say that, for instance, my my morals are very important to me. Um, and I'm, I'm going to just brief story. Um, I have two business partners that I work with in dark media, and we're building a company. And something came up a few months ago, and I'm like, I, I will not do that. They're like, you know, this has the potential to make money. I'm like, it goes against what I believe. Um, my morals supersede money all the time. My ability to want to protect people, love people, and make sure they're okay supersedes what any God could ever say. So if God exists and he had an issue with someone in my family, a friend being homosexual and was going to torture them for an eternity, I would say he was completely immoral. And I would gladly say, send me to hell with him because I love this person and they're not going anywhere without me. Why wouldn't you do the same? So, Brandon, uh, do you know what the Bible says is the greatest commandment? No, what? Well, Jesus was asked that question because okay. there, there was a lot of debate in his day between the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the scribes and all the different uh, uh, teachers of the uh, Hebrew scriptures. Okay. So um, when Jesus was asked that question, he said, the greatest commandment is this, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. But then he went further and he said, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. So what you just described, and I know you were talking about your cat, but but you were talking about your, you know, someone close to you, something close to you, right. you know, how you would you would want to um, defend that person, and you also said you'd want to keep them from harm. Now I I love that sentiment, Brandon, and that is a very biblical sentiment. That is exactly what Jesus did for sinners like us. Is he looked at us in our sinful state? He looked at you and me. And not your cat, because cats, <laughs> cats can't sin. They're not moral agents <laughs> like us. But he looked at my kids and any future kids you may have. He looked down at us, and he, what he said was, my image bearers created in the image of God are running around causing harm to themselves and others. Their relationship with one another is broken. Their relationship with me is broken. And they are choosing hell on earth, and they are choosing hell for eternity. Without the author of life, you are choosing death. If you flick off the light switch, the room goes dark. If you reject God, you are uh, dooming yourself. So what God did, see, this is what makes Christianity different than every other worldview, religion, or philosophy. God was not content to leave his children in that state. And so he stepped down from heaven. He gave up the advantages that he had. And God the Son became an infant. He became a fetus, an unborn child. He became a clump of cells, as you like to put it. And he was <laughs> he was born uh, in a little, in a manger of all things. I mean, he was very humble. The Bible says that he humbled himself to the point of being a, a servant or even a slave is really what it says in the original language. And he lived 
for 33 years surrounded by people not loving God and not loving their neighbor. And you, you have to just think as the perfect son of God, what that must have been like for him. He taught perfectly. He loved perfectly. He healed the sick. He cured the lame and the handicapped. Um, he he turned water into wine. Nobody can ever say Jesus didn't know how to party. And oh. and he he did all these things, even though he knew it would inevitably lead to his death. And what 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 uh, we find out later, because Jesus talked about his death and he predicted his death and he predicted he would die and then the third day he would rise again. And on the third day. I'm sorry, on Good Friday, uh, it was actually during uh, Passover. It was, it was, you know, right around this time of year. Jesus put his faith into action. His, he put his money where his mouth was. And Jesus went up on that cross after taking a horrible beating, the worst beating you can imagine. Roman crucifixion was designed to be the most brutalizing, dehumanizing form of torture. But okay. Jesus willingly took that and was nailed to a cross naked for the world to see in shame and uh, taking on guilt that he did not deserve. And he died. And while he was on that cross, the worst part about it was not the physical pain, but it was the spiritual reality of God pouring out his wrath on sinners. Instead of pouring it out on people like you and me, he poured it out on his own son. And Jesus Christ died for sinners like you and me. So this, these talk, these um, debates about truth and faith, what these aren't abstract concept, concepts. And and what we have to see, and so I'm I'm glad you, that you that you wanted to get it out of the abstract because this is the end. Uh, this is the end of all these. The, the, by end, I mean goal of all these philosophical discussions is ultimately there. Uh, when you when you see that there is such a thing as truth, when you see that there is such a thing as knowledge it inevitably leads you to the foot of the cross and i wanted to make sure i was defining my terms defining what truth is defining what knowledge is because what kenneth is saying is that i'm preaching and i'm just being arbitrary but <laughs> but my my worldview my epistemology is rooted in scripture and scripture inevitably leads to the cross so this is not arbitrary this is this is demonstrable so, my worldview inevitably leads there it's very consistent so Brandon, well, this is where I'm trying to get you to. So cons cons to be clear, uh, actually real quick, if anyone, we're going to be signing off in a moment. So if you have any questions for either myself, the atheist, or Joel, uh, the Christian, please put them in the comments and I'll try and get through them as quickly as possible. Um, I, I think what Kenneth's trying to point out here is... Could you there, read there, his comment for, for the audio later? I'm sorry? Would you mind reading his comment for, for oh, the audio? Oh, oh, sorry. Absolutely. Thanks. Uh Kenneth Leonard, he's preaching. He cannot demonstrate the truth of any of this. I'd like to remind everyone that Harry Potter died to save the world and did way, way cooler magic tricks than Jesus. So I, I, the point he's trying to make here is, I think goes to speak of how atheists like us think. You are making a lot of claims and those claims require demonstrations. Otherwise- Why? 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 Other, otherwise, I could this simply... Is why I, want, I really want you to flesh out your epistemology yeah, yeah. here. Baby. So otherwise, I could right now take any book and say, this happened. So what he's yes. saying is, yes. Harry Potter died to save the world. Right. It equates to the same thing you're saying. Not at all. Not at all. It's, it's like your, okay. your Spider-Man analogy the last time. No. It's the same it's thing, doesn't. though. 
What? You're assert it's the same thing. You're you're no, Brandon using Okay. I agree that uh Harry Potter might be great literature. I've never read it. I, I never had any interest, but um but uh <laughs> when you say um we shouldn't believe things you know arbitrarily, that is what I've been trying to show you is that you need you need an epistemology, a view of knowledge that can explain why it's wrong to believe something like that. Okay. And what I've, what I've been trying to show you is that from within the Christian framework, from within the Christian worldview, the reason why it's wrong to believe something that flies in the face of reality is because truth, the concept of truth itself requires God's existence. <laughs> you Okay. So again, right there, right there. That's that's a claim. I would and love to that, flesh that out. That needs to be backed up. And let me Robbie, do that right now. Then, uh, real quick, Robbie, uh, Jesus was a real person who walked the earth. Even if he was, and I accept that Jesus was a real person, Jesus being a real person doesn't tie to there being a God. So if we prove Jesus exists, all we proved is that a man named Jesus exists. If we proved he did die for your cause again we're only proving that he died your sins none of that yes none of that gets us to a god uh, so, so, so the idea of truth when i say and i realize now when i was talking about truth earlier i never explained why it depends on god because i, I wanted to get your your explanation th that's yeah what i want to know yeah yeah okay so so truth um remember the the three components of truth are it has to be comprehensible in terms of language it has to be coherent in terms of the laws of logic and it has to be correspondent to the state of affairs the way things actually are so what that um what that uh sorry you throw in I'm, i can't help but read the comments as you put them up so oh I'm sorry I, i'm no, just no, no, trying totally to cool. uh and if you do have questions throw them in the comments quickly and we'll try and answer them as fast as possible so um so language the, our use of language presupposes that our minds are designed for meaningful linguistic communication to one another and it also presupposes i reject that they're designed sorry okay, well, continue good luck accounting for it without design but that, that's okay um it, it presupposes the consistency over time of language um which pre which presumes uniformity in nature um and uh it it also um, presupposes that there's that there's a mind in here that can actually process words, turn them into ideas, and you know come to meaningful conclusions about them. Um, logic, I think we've talked about logic before. I'm not sure, but the laws of logic um, all have all the attributes of God. They're they're, they're immaterial abstractions. More claims. They're, they're I'm I'm explaining why. Okay. They're um, they're invariant. They are uh, universal. They're absolute. They're knowable. These are all the things that the Bible says that God is. Well, they also happen to be all the things that the laws of logic are. Um, and then when it comes to um, correspondence to reality, that presupposes that there's that there is an external world. We're not living in a simulation. It presupposes that um, that our minds have a correspondence to the world such that we can. Uh, inductively and deductively come to true conclusions about the world. And it presupposes that the world is a propitious environment for the production of true beliefs. It, it presupposes that the universe is intelligible. These are all completely in line with Genesis chapters one and two. 
And because I'm a Christian, I believe all these things. Well, it just so happens that it works out perfectly. If you want to believe in truth, the Christian worldview is the perfect worldview to adhere to. <laughs> so, uh, so far from being arbitrary, Harry Potter doesn't provide any of those things. Harry Potter is just a book. In fact, Harry Potter, for Harry Potter to be linguistically sensible and logical and all that thing, it presupposes the God of the Bible as well. So, you know, Brandon, I, I just hear more rather than just, what I just hear more. Sorry, I, I just hear more claims. I, I'm not hearing. What did I just say that was that was that I didn't support? I, I just. You're just saying this needs to have God behind it. No, I'm. I, what I'm saying. When did I say that? What? Uh, sorry, you said in order for the rules of Harry Potter. Um, oh, because Harry Potter is like a sort of pseudo. It's a it's a magical slash realistic tale. I mean, it's not a nonsense tale. It's not like a Shel Silverstein poem or something like that, where it's just nonsense. It's not a Dr. Seuss story. I mean, it's there's people in it and, you know, the people aren't randomly turning into unicorns and stuff. I mean, in other words, it's assuming that there's such a thing as language and it's assuming authors create worlds that they want to be intelligible to the reader. And those worlds have to have some at least some correspondence to the actual world or else we'd have no idea what we were reading. We couldn't understand any of it. In other words, the same laws have to apply even if those laws are transgressed by, you know, magic and fantasy and stuff like that. That's just, that, that's just what makes for a good story. But like there has to be, you know, some correspondence and continuation between like logic, for example, you know, one plus one in Harry Potter still has to be two. Otherwise you couldn't have, a, you couldn't have any kind of understandable story. In okay. other words, the same laws that presuppose God in this world would presuppose God in the world of Harry Potter. I don't really care about Harry Potter. I don't care if we, you know, who cares? Okay. Uh, well, let's let's quickly get to these questions. There are a few, and we're way over time. Uh, so Kenneth Leonard, can we presuppose that we do not have minds? What would we use to engage in such a presupposition? How would you answer that? Uh, the question's for you. So you're not going to answer? No, well, no, it, it's sorry. I, I'll answer the questions directed at me. Uh, you it would answer the questions directed at you. Okay. Uh, can we presuppose that we do not have minds? I, I don't see how you could do that. What would we use to engage in such a presupposition? No, we, we clearly have minds. Um, and, you know, the reason why we have minds, I, the reason why I um, can be certain I have a mind is, uh, you know, because of my prior belief that, you know, in the integrity of the universe and in the laws of logic and um, in the existence of both the external world and, you know, my, my mental world. So, okay. but that, but all that rests upon a, um, a prior belief in God and to presuppose that I don't have minds. I'd have to presuppose that I couldn't presuppose anything because without a mind, I couldn't presuppose. So what he's asking for is a violation of logic, but because I believe in logic, which rests upon God. No, that's an inco it'd be an incoherent impossibility. All right. He um, knows that. Um, I, I'll be curious his response. Uh, next question is Josh from Jocelyn. I'm not putting this on screen because there's a, a swear word in the last sentence. So uh, Jocelyn, I'll repeat my question. How do you think the apostles and the Marys make logic of Jesus showing back up three days after he was brutally crucified in front of him. How do they make logic? Is uh, yeah, it's kind of it's kind of a weirdly worded question. So I'm not 
sure if you can even answer it, but how well, do you- Well, I guess I'm trying to figure out if she's saying, if she's asking whether or not I take every passage of the Bible to equally support the existence of the laws of logic, or am I, I think what she's probably asking, feel free to clarify in the comments, is how did they find that to be logical? In other words, oh, okay. Maybe I think that's it, maybe what she's asking, yeah. Yeah, 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 sure, sure, sure. Okay, uh, as, a, as a Christian, it's logical for someone to have previously been dead, well, it's for anyone, previously be dead and at another point in time to be alive. There's nothing, there's, that's not a logical contradiction, any more than it's a contradiction to say, I am alive at this point in time and at another point I, I will be dead. That There's nothing illogical about saying um, a person is alive at one point in time and dead at another point in time. So that's not illogical. No, I think I, I think what Jocelyn's asking is um, the logic behind him being killed mm -hmm. and coming back to life three days later. Well, yeah. So in the biblical worldview, miracles are shocking. In the biblical worldview, people dead people don't come back to life randomly. There would have to be a, an incredible explanation for it. Oh, it just so happens Jesus gives us the explanation. In fact, uh, Psalm 22, the King David gave us the explanation in, um, in Psalm 22, 700 years before Christ. Oh, no, a thousand years before Christ. Sorry. Um, that, that the, the Messiah would be pierced and killed and forsaken by God. Uh, and, but, and yet he would not be abandoned by God. And, and Isaiah 53, it's predicted that he'd be cut off from the land of the living. And then even after that, he would rise from the dead. Um, so it is, it is certainly um, shocking, but it's not inexplicable. The Bible gives us, um, because the Bible presents a world in which there is continuity and uniformity in the laws of nature, miracles are perplexing and surprising to us. It's not like we don't believe in God and therefore we believe in a random universe where anything can happen. That's only a problem for atheists. Uh, that's not a problem for Christians. In Christianity, the Bible gives us the means for certainly believing that God could raise the dead. That why, why, If God existed, and he does, why wouldn't he be able to raise the dead? That's not only logical, but certainly within the, the realm of a possibility. That's not to say that we believe people are going to rise from the dead randomly all the time. There, we have to use biblical definitions for biblical ideas. All right. Uh, Robbie, let me get to your question. I think there's like two more questions after this. Ethan, what are your two biggest obstacles to becoming a, a Catholic or Christian? Well, I mean, the two biggest ones, that's a difficult question to answer because I personally find so many uh, obstacles with becoming a theist of any kind. Um, for one, I, I personally have yet to see a sound and valid argument for the existence of God. So <laughs> I, that was that was like a perfect that that that's what the intro of the show needs to be. Me saying something and you leaning forward. That that was that was priceless. I'm sorry. Um so yeah I, I just have yet to see anything that would warrant a belief in God or warrant a belief in any religion. So uh Robbie a few steps you would need to get me to believe in God first. Then, uh, whether I believe in God 
or not is independent from whether I'd worship him. So I guess you'd have to then provide me good reason to worship said God, which I don't see any reason why I would worship somebody that I personally find to be immoral. Um, and, and then three, you'd have to then provide me good reason to become a Christian or Catholic. I hope I, I did my best to answer that as best as possible. Um, next question from Goose Kehoe. Dinosaurs existed. There is proof from millions of years ago. Why isn't there proof from thousands of years ago? I, I think he's referring to Jesus. Is is that? Um, is is this I, a young Earth, old Earth question? Uh, honestly, I don't know. Um, Goose, I believe, is also a Christian, although not defined, not your type of Christian. Um, what do you think is my type of Christian? You keep saying uh, that. Okay. Because, okay, my, my mom says she's a Christian. She's not going to agree with your Christianity. Um, what do you think is my Christianity? Following the Bible to a T. Oh, believing the Bible? To, to a T. From I how mean, you've described it, it sounds like that is what you define as a true Christian. I mean, a, a Christian is someone who has repented of their sins and trusted in Jesus Christ and been born again. Christians have all kinds of beliefs about the Bible. Some are true, some are false. Uh but that's what a Christian is. A Christian is not that a Christian is, is a follower of Jesus, someone who has received him as savior and Lord. You don't have to. Yeah. You, you, you know, just to respond to what you just said, you're making it sound as though you have to come to all these other beliefs before you can become a Christian. Um, you know, like, well, first I'd have to believe, I think you might be surprised, Brandon. I, you know, I, of course, you know, I do pray for you and um, it's, it's really amazing how people come to faith in Jesus. Uh, some some come through intellectual argumentation. That's certainly a valid way to come in. Uh, others really come more from a heart approach, um, where you know Jesus says, um, "Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest." And you know, some people just simply come to Jesus. Still there? You got to be still there because I'm still here. And we're running this off of your computer. Okay, well, I'll keep talking. Um, you know, some people just come to Jesus and say, man, I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. Can you give me rest? And they they come to him uh, with open okay. hands and an open heart, and they come in that way. So it doesn't, you know, it, it, not everybody comes in the same way. I totally got disconnected for about a minute. My cat jumped on my laptop, and it shut down. I don't oh, know no. If I, yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, dude, what a jerk. You know my kids do the same thing. <laughs> Um, Susan, belief in God of the Bible doesn't equal becoming a Christian. The God of the Bible is a jerk. I would actually agree with that. And yeah, my kid. Uh, jerks, horrible. jerks don't die for their enemies to, to make them into their friends. <laughs> That's silly. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, all right. So this has been, obviously I feel like Joel, just like last time you and I went over the hour by 45 minutes and I still feel like we could do this all day like totally totally so we got to do this again uh real quick um before i i give you closing i would just like to promote my upcoming talks uh tomorrow i am going to have cynthia mcdonald on and we are going to be talking about racism and apologetics uh we're going to be reviewing one of stephen crowder's video uh stephen crowder's videos next tuesday is going to be lucas goliath goliath and he is uh, so the topic is science and God. He is 
master's in physics. I really got to write down his credentials. Very smart man. I'm looking forward to it because he's going to tell me how science got him to God. Uh, the week after that, your friend Larry the Christian is returning back with uh, Topic Remains Undecided. Uh, and then the 28th is Robin, and the topic is Atheism and Spirituality. But one of the most important ones that I am super excited about. So I have been, I started this like two months ago on a whim with Larry, and it's really gotten some traction. And because of my friend Alex, aka Puck, we reached out to Jenna Belk, who is on the Atheist Experience. And I am geeking out because I'll be interviewing Jenna Belk next Wednesday, a show I've been watching religiously for about two years now, every single week. And the fact that I'm getting a chance to interview someone I watch all the time, it's just, that really makes me happy. Like genuinely, I am over the moon excited. Um, but with closing, I, I would like to ask everyone, um, if you don't pray, send positive vibes to Joel's son. Uh, if you do pray, please pray for Joel's son. Um, he just recently had a heart transplant. Um, and I believe if you could give me the website where they could go for updates on this again. Sure. The page on Facebook is called Pray for Superhero Lucas. And that's L-U-K-A-S is how you spell his name. Okay. Uh, pray for Superhero Lucas. I am putting it in the comments right now. If you want to follow Lucas's story, um, please give Joel the support. But it, again, uh, if you could refer them to, I think your, your website to the think Institute. And if you want to have any closing remarks, uh, please go ahead and, you know, summarize anything you'd like to say. Sure. So th this time, uh, round two was, you know, a friendly conversation, but, uh, you know, just in the nature of things, I think, um, I do think we covered some good and important ground. Absolutely. And, um, what I hope that the folks watching and ultimately Brandon, what I hope that you can um, finally see um, in, in God's timing, of course, is that, um, you know, this desire that you have for, um, for true knowledge, um, even tempered with humility, like, Hey, you know, like I get the humility behind, I don't know anything for certain. I get that. I totally, it's a, it's a desire for intellectual humility. I right. really, really respect that. What I'm saying is um, you and I, can both point to certain things that we know for certain. And the question is, how is it possible in a world where it's just us to know anything for certain? And um, I'll just circle back around to what I said at the beginning, which is that um, true knowledge is, uh, or, or a true attitude towards knowledge is credo ut intelligam, faith-seeking understanding. And um, what I hope that everyone's been able to see is that far from being anti-intellectual or a leap in the dark or, uh, it, you know, blind faith or something like that, uh, the Christian worldview not only provides um, access to evidence, but provides a basis and uh, groundwork for even believing in evidence as a meaningful concept. So um, maybe we didn't get to everything we like. We, we would have liked to. Um, I, I agree with you. This is a ton of fun. I could do it. All it is. Time. It's so much fun. I love yeah. doing this. But um, um, but ultimately, uh, you know, my my hope is that you, Brandon, and everyone watching would come to know God through Jesus Christ and come to have eternal life and uh, just experience the amazing joy and peace and comfort. Um, it's what's allowed me to get through my wife having cancer, my son having cancer, heart failure, 
uh, my other son having a potentially fatal skin infection. I mean, all kinds of other stuff, but you know, right. I'm not an especially resilient person, but my God is an especially comforting God. So thank you for the time, man. Please, uh, if you do want to connect with the Think Institute, people can go to thethink.institute. I have a podcast on there, weekly newsletter, uh, all kinds of fun stuff like that. So thanks, man. It was a lot yeah, I, I advise checking them out. Uh, thanks, Joel. And uh, Divine Disbelief, I, I would absolutely come on your show and you are more than welcome on mine. And to answer your question earlier about Neil, the 604 atheist, I did reach out. He emailed me back. Uh, I replied. So kind of waiting to set that up. And yes, Puck is my agent. He has been tremendously helpful. So uh, Joel, I really can't tell you how much I appreciate you coming on. Um, everyone, again, go to uh, pray for superhero. Sorry, go to Facebook.com, pray for superhero Lucas, and you can follow the story of his son who just recently received a heart transplant. And everyone, uh, Joel, stay on the line. Everyone, thanks for coming in. Thanks for tuning in. And most importantly, I still remain unconvinced. I hope everyone has a wonderful evening. Thank you.